It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chels, a cup win, another three points, we're back into the top four. Oh my gosh. I mean, how long's it been since we've had a different manager and a different setup? It's only been about three weeks. It's no time at all, and look what's happened. It's been so odd this last few weeks. And to discuss the oddness, it's the oddity that we call Mr. Andy Saunders. How are you, mate? I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I went for a run this morning, so I'm knackered. So if I'm a little bit, a little bit sleepy, that'll be why. I'm getting old, you know. Not as old as you, but I am. Oh, I, uh, I'm getting old. Tell the listeners how old you're going to be in the on, I'm, in, in I'm a couple of weeks. I'm 41 on the 23rd of February. You're going to be 60 in two oh. weeks' time. Do you know what? I never swear on this program, <laughs> and I'm very, very close to doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've always been significantly older than me, but um, yeah, but, but you're yeah. properly old then, aren't you? Yeah, I know, but at least you've always bowed to my wisdom of age. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, young grasshopper. <laughs> I mean, we'll bring it up again, because obviously, you know, it'll be your birthday in a couple of podcast times, so... Well, you, yeah. you know, we won't we won't let it lie how old you are. <laughs> hey, yeah, but there's the other way of looking at it. I got this far. You know, That's I'm, true. That's true. I'm, I'm quite happy about that. And, and there's, there's th- a few people would have taken a spread bet on you not making it. Exactly. So here I am, and I fully intend to go much, much further in my innings. A bit like a Joe Root double hundred. That's me. You're very clean living these days, aren't you? Yeah, because you didn't used to that be. I wasn't. I have no idea what you're referring to. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I am a good, clean living boy. Uh, live the country life. It's the country air that does me good, you know. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, well, so you, you were hardly clean living either, you know. So it's it's funny that we end up on this side of the tracks. And, uh, you know, discuss things intelligently rather than rant, rave and, um, you know, get caught up in the moment. I'm sure our younger listeners are loving listening to two old blokes talking crap. (laughs) I I remember when Andy went out in Chelsea. I remember during Britpop. (laughs) I I remember the benches and Britpop. I remember transferring for a pound from the shed. Yes, I do. I remember that. I'd go and change ends with the team at half-time, like you and I used to do against, who was it? I think it was Rochdale or something, you know. But there we go. Luckily, we're in the modern era where there are absolutely no fans in the crowd. Uh, There's no one in the ground. Um, Although it does look to me as though there seems to be more and more 
coaching staff behind the the teams than ever before. I'm sure everyone's bunking in the, their um, mates. Yeah, the, the kind of masks seem to have... Um, well, they don't seem to be being applied much. And they're all hugging and kissing each other again after one week of, oh, we're not going to do that. And they all seem to be celebrating together again. That didn't last very long. So, I, I mean, I guess people are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now, aren't they? And thinking that, you know, that... that there's slightly good news coming out of government now about lifting lifting the restrictions i don't think it's going to be in time for this season but hopefully for next you know we'll we'll have some return to football in the in the live sense because boy are we missing fans in the ground i mean just from a spectator point of view let alone us not being able to go i mean just watching it on tv with no fans is a is becoming it's becoming old yeah well look we we've said it a lot on the program without denigrating the game and the fact that the players are doing their best there's just that element x about it the x factor of the crowd that lifts a team to go above and beyond at the particular moment we we know it's missing we're seeing this game after game Uh, and as i've said to you i'm finding it very hard to watch football at all yeah chelsea fine yeah i can just about do that because it's the team i love but the rest of it i don't know i just go it's it's not the same and and it won't be it won't be until i think you know it does look you're right there's positivity about things and that actually you know next season we will have people back in the ground and i'm sure everyone who enters a football ground with a proper crowd and good luck to all those you know couple of times that we got 2000 people in the stamford bridge you've got to see that the the team but when we've got 40-odd thousand people back in Stamford Bridge, we'll know we're through the worst of it. And that's yeah. what we all want. Yep, hopefully. So, well, fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, been, it's been a funny old week. And, um, you know, it's, it is incredible when you look at the... And we'll go through the breakdown, of course, as usual. But what an incredible few weeks we've had. You know, if you cast your mind back about three or four weeks ago, we said that the time to analyse what was going on under Frank Lampard was after the Newcastle game. Mm. And you and I both said that would be the perfect moment because if he hasn't got four wins out of the five or whatever, then there is probably going to be a bit of trouble. And the trouble happened before this this moment. So it's strange, isn't it, when you look back and, and see how we were thinking that actually... Tuchel turned up at a, a very good time and maybe that was some of the thinking going, well, actually, this is a way to ease him into the club and they'd made the decision in, on, in that respect. Well, maybe. I mean, we still had the Spurs game to, to negotiate in that period as well. Yeah, but we'd, we'd always said the four out of the five were totally winnable and if we could get a draw out of Spurs, that wouldn't be bad. Um, so, you know, actually the draw came with the Wolves game. Yeah, look, listen, I mean, I had this sort of conversation with people last night on social media. I mean, the, the idea that, you know, that you know Frank, Frank might have won these games or would have won these games, it's such a hypothetical. But it's really, that's my it's, point. It, I know it is, and it, it's really not worth, you know, sort of speculating on because he might have done, but he's not there anymore. He didn't. He didn't win the games. Tuchel did. So, you know, holding on to that, well, you know, Frank would have done just as well. I just don't see the point of it we've you know move on it's it's we'll all love frank i mean nobody's ever denied their their love for frank lampard as a player and as a fixture at this club and you know we hope he comes back but we have moved on and i don't think it serves any purpose to kind of harp back about the you know could have should have would have element of 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 the games but you're absolutely right has been a Really interesting last five or six games. I mean, you know, just to sum up, you know, in the last five league games, four wins and a draw, 13 points from 15, four clean sheets. We've only conceded one goal, and that was an own goal by Rudiger. Uh, We're into the top four. We're above Liverpool. I mean, it's all good, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And can I just say, the own goal by Rudiger was a classic. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, deftly done. Um, yeah, I, absolutely. And that's my kind of point. You, we can't ever compare because we don't know, you know. We don't know. We, we don't we know. And I think there's there's still some people out there, you know, refusing to accept the the inevitable. And I, I just, I feel sorry for them in a way. It's like, just embrace the new. You know, you know as a football club that we're always going to involve. 
Always going to evolve as a football club. You know, we always have and we always will. That's what football clubs are. Players come and go. Managers come and go. The fans are always there for their, for their, life, for the, for their lifespan. But the club was there before us. It will be there after us. It's bigger than all of us. And I think if you hold on to individual players or individual managers, you're not really getting the best out of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's, you're absolutely right. You know, it's like, you know, people who moan about a player having left or whatever, you know, or oh, Kerry Dixon should never have been sold at that time or, you know, or whatever, or getting rid of Peter Osgood. Things happen. Nobody's bigger than the club and decisions get made, which we will not always agree with. That's the nature of it. But yeah. as you say, tomorrow's another football day and it may be different people in the lineup, maybe a different manager. That's how football works. And we don't really have any say in it anyway. No, we don't. And, and I think the... Um, I'm not stifling debate on it because it's good fun discussing whether somebody should have left, you know, whether we should have sold Eden Hazard or, you know, whether, whether somebody left before their time or has been there too long. I mean, that's all part of the general fan discussion. And I, and I think that's absolutely fine. And, of course, I indulge in that as much as anybody else. And, you know, that, that's, part, that's part of being a football fan is to moan and gripe and, and question and you know have a go at the board and all that stuff i mean that that's all fine the point is is that there comes a point where you've got to just draw a line under it and say okay we're in we're in a new phase now with a new manager or a new player or a new a new lineup and you just have to support the team through that because it's going to change you're not going to stop it it's like time it stops for no one exactly actually you mentioned somebody there about eden hazard what do you think he feels about whether he should have moved or not <laughs> well, you know, I think that he thinks, I mean, his body's let him down, isn't it, really? It's not anything to do with form or technique or, or ability. We know he's got all of those things. Um, it, it's his body. His body's just let him down. He must be incredibly frustrated not to be able to do what he went there to do. Um I feel Maybe. sorry for him. I feel sorry for yeah. him. I mean, we you know we received a lot of money for him, and it's helped it's helped us rebuild. And you know, there's even talk of of him possibly coming back at some point. But you know, not 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 at the price that we paid for him. He's got a lot of work to do to 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 get that value again. But I hope it works out for him because. He was an amazing player for us. He was an incredibly influential and important player. So I, I wish him nothing but the best. But I'm sure he's sitting in Madrid just desperate to get on a football pitch and, and play. Yeah, and it does make you wonder whether... Because we'd seen signs of these injuries in that last year or so. Just maybe everyone thought, you know what? This is actually a really good time to sell him. And it was that perfect age to get the last big price for a player. What was he, 28 or something when he yeah. left us? So, you know, it, it may have been a calculated, calculated decision, which in the cold light of day looks like a pretty solid one. Yeah, and, so, and you know, the, the, the hierarchy, Marina and, and the other members of the board, they don't get the credit when they do good things like that because that was a very good, smart commercial move. Um, and they don't really get the credit for that. We only really throw brickbats at them. We only really throw abuse at them when when we feel that they've made a bad buy or, or, or changed the manager when we didn't want them to. We don't really give them enough credit for some of the work they do in the transfer market, and I think we probably should. But that's kind of a malaise of the 21st century where people are quick to pick up on fault, but are very rare to say, hey, that was really well done. Congratulations. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we need to move to that more empathetic, positive environment and atmosphere. Well, now. I think we've got to stop thinking of them as the enemy. You know, it's, yeah. they're, they're not the enemy. You know, it's a, it's a football club. It's an elite football club, which means it comes with lots of commercial aspects and it is a business and, you know, it operates in the mega money field. Um, and to keep a show of that size on the road, you have to be very commercially focused. And that's that's just a fact. Um, but that doesn't mean that necessarily they're the enemy. I mean, I had a few people saying, well, they've ripped the soul out of the club. I don't, I don't think that's true. I genuinely don't think it's true. I think, you know, the club is what the club is at any particular time. Um, and I think... There's questions to be asked about the way that Frank Lampard was treated, if you feel if you feel so inclined. But the fact of the matter is, it was a decision that was made, and we've moved on, and we're in another phase with a new manager now. And if you don't accept it, you won't enjoy it. So just just move on and and have an opinion, but don't let it spoil your 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 viewing pleasure. Now I, you hit on on a word that came up actually in a conversation I had this week. Uh, about soul somebody was saying to me 
the trouble with Chelsea, with all that money and the way you do things, there's just no soul. Sorry, but Chelsea have got no soul. And I, you know, I don't usually rise, but I, I immediately said, look, soul is created by the fans. It's not created by business. It's not created by the money spent or the, or the money taken. It is created by the fans. The fans create the soul. And mm. believe you me, Chelsea has a soul, without a doubt, as all clubs do. Look, since time immemorial, the bigger clubs have always had more money than the smaller clubs. The bigger clubs have always gone, oh, we just played so-and-so. They had this player that was really good, and they go and buy him. Man, you used to do it all the time. Liverpool used to do it all the time. Leeds used to do it. Every team that rises always goes and picks players from the opposition, makes themselves bigger and better. But the thing about football that keeps us going back week after week is how cyclical it is. Yeah. Nobody stays at the top forever and ever. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, I, I think we're going through a funny old transition as fans at the moment. You know, there's a lot of people clinging on to, to, the, to the, for want of a better expression, old school element of, of following football. And those fans are, are becoming increasingly frustrated with the way that modern football is going, in the way they're treated as fans, in the way they're, you know, they're being curtailed in what they can do, in what they can say, um, you know, and, and that's caused issues with, with with some of the problems we know about chants and songs that are deemed inappropriate in the modern age, uh, quite rightly. And so there's this sort of culture war going on a little bit among the fan base, you know, a refusal to accept that we are a global club now, that we have fans all over the world that listen in and watch in from, from all over the world. We're not just people from the local area, you know, even though we were never a club from the local area because nobody could afford to live in the local area, just just geographically. But this this idea that you are, you know, you, you are not a kind of white working-class bloke is is not the fan plo- is not the fan base anymore. It's a much wider, much more diverse fan base, and that's created a little bit of a culture war uh, within the fan base. And and I just think it's a transitional period, and you know we're working our way through a lot of those issues, and and working our way through you know a lot a lot of the way that we watch football and enjoy football, and and it just is what it is. And again, it goes back to this idea that football clubs and football generally evolves, and you have to evolve with it because if you stop then you'll get left behind and you won't enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that, that's the same with every field, isn't it? Yeah. You can't, it's like when people go on about music and go, oh, modern music. Oh, yeah, that, oh, it's that. a very good analogy. Very good analogy. I only like stuff pre-1990. It's like, well, okay, that's fine. If that's what gives you pleasure, that's absolutely fine. I'm not going to criticise you for that, but you're missing out on an awful lot. You know, a lot of good music has been made since 1990. Or, you know, and, and a lot of good football's being played in the modern day. You can't just go, oh, you know, I yearn for the days of Osgood and Hudson. I mean, that's great. I mean, it's nice to have those memories and nice to do that. But, but don't use it as a counterpoint to not enjoy modern football. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if you want to, fine. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But it doesn't make any sense to kind of just confine yourself to one era or to, to one, you know, to, to, to one area. I think a lot of it's to do with age. Yeah, for Because sure. people always turn around and go, music was a lot better, you know, in the older days. It's like, it wasn't really. It's just that you were younger and more engaged with it and more obsessed with it. And so, therefore, it was more important to you. You know, that, that's why you think it's better. And the same goes for football. When you were younger and you went to every away game and you went with your mates and, you know, and, and it was on the terraces and, you know, it was so all-consuming in your life, that's why you think it's better. doesn't mean it was better. It's just that in a phase of your life, it was all-consuming. And I think age has got a lot to do with this, well, football was always better in the old days or music was always, or TV or whatever it is. I think people just have to, you know, just take a step back a little bit and enjoy what's in front of them. I agree. Uh, the only thing I would say, the only thing that is not better about football at the moment in particular is, I think, fans. That makes all football better when you've got fans in the ground. That's yeah. the only thing. But I agree with you because each generation will have their own heroes in a team. You might not agree, but it's it's what's coming up. That's that's. The I mean, we're lucky. Blood. We're lucky, aren't we? Sorry to interrupt. We're lucky, aren't we? In that we, you know, we grew up in the in in the days of you know Aussie and you know uh, Hudson and 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 that brilliant nineteen 
70s, late 60s, 1970s team. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to be old enough to enjoy that. And then we went through a you know horrific period of terrible Chelsea teams, you know, although there were some great cult heroes during that period. But it wasn't a great era of success. And then we came through the, you know, the Hullet Hoddle revolution uh, in, in the mid-90s. And then the Abramovich revolution leading to the Champions League final. And now we're in a new phase. I mean, we're very lucky to have experienced those various phases, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, do you know what? Probably the most important period of seeing all these actually the greatest footballers in Chelsea history probably through that whole period was having the misery of those years in between because 25 years of misery, which is what we basically got, actually allowed us to understand just how wonderful it is to win something. And I'm never, ever going to forget that. That's why if we go through another 25 years without winning things, and I will still be around for them all, I will accept that because that's what happens with football at times. I don't think it's going to happen, but I do understand. And this is something that some people may not get a hold of. If you've only known victory and winning then it's very hard to understand how to take defeat. We were beaten before we got on the pitch most of the time during the 80s. And then we'd come out with some grandiose performance and just show we weren't dead. And slowly but surely, it changed. And this is football. This is why we love it. We need the lows to enjoy the highs. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, I think that FA Cup final against Middlesbrough, you know, in the 90s was... You know, after 27 years of not winning anything significant, I think that was as seismic as the Champions League final in 2012 for me. You know, to have been a Chelsea supporter for that long and not seen us win anything bar the Zenith Data Systems Cup. Um, you know, I, I just think that that was such an incredible day at the old Wembley watching us beat Middlesbrough with Eddie Newton and Di Matteo scoring the goals. And it was just insanely, you know, thrilling to think that we could win things again. Um, and, and you're right, you, you can't really appreciate the highs unless you've experienced the lows. Yeah. With, God, this really is an episode of old blokes banging on. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> well, you called me old. Now I'm just making sure I act it out. Well, look, <laughs> I tell you what, let's go to the first game we've got to talk about because in a kind of way, this ties in with the help the aged talk that we're having here um, in the fact that it was a nasty, nasty night away from home, off to Barnsley. Um, could we cope with it? It was a terrible, terrible pitch. Um, mm. Honestly, I hadn't seen one like that for quite some time. Um, and yeah, it, it had all the classic hallmarks of a cup game. But we'd already dispatched them once this season in the um, Carabao Cup. Um, so, you know, it, they turned out to be a tricky opponent away from home than perhaps we thought they might be. And you could see why... The TV cameras were picking this one out to go and watch, really. Because I think you texted me, you know, ironically at the end of the game, oh, will they be able to cope with a game like this on a pitch like this on a cold, wet uh, midweek evening? Uh, and so it proved to be. We, we could eventually... But it was hard. And were you surprised at the side that he picked out? There was a lot of changes in the side. I mean, what I would add to that is it was bloody cold as well. Yeah. I mean, really cold. I mean, I, I probably would have gone to that game uh, if I'd have got a ticket. And, you know, I was sitting in my cosy room watching it on TV thinking, God, that would have been absolutely Baltic standing on the terraces uh, up there. But, um, yeah, that was another another factor to add in. Uh, surprising thing, well, there was a lot of changes. It was the FA Cup. I mean, Kepa came back in goal. Uh, Zuma. We saw the lesser-spotted Zuma make an appearance this season, which was good, alongside uh, Emerson and Christensen in a in a back three. Um, looked like a, a sort of midfield four, really, of uh, Hudson-Odoi, Kante, Gilmore uh, and Alonso, with Hudson-Odoi and, and Alonso as the, as the wing-backs. Uh, and I see Billy Gilmore in the middle alongside Kante. Uh, and up front, uh, Zayek, uh, sorry, Ziyech. I've been told off for my pronunciation. Um, oh, you told me you didn't. Care I know my son. My son week. told me off as well. So, so now just you think care the, the, because of family basic, and blood. Yeah, I know. Culture. I know. I'm gonna, I have to make an effort now. Uh, Zh um, <laughs> flanked by 
Pulisic, uh, 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 sorry, Ziyech and Pulisic flanking Abraham up front. So, yeah, a lot of changes in the team. Uh, but, you know, that's a strong team to be putting out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there, there were changes in it, but it felt like it was setting out to do a task and, and setting out to, to, to really make sure that we win this. But it just didn't turn out like that, did it? I mean, they really came at us and, and, and gave us a tough time, especially that first half. It, it was dour. Well, it was, it was a very, very uh, well played press i mean they pressed us very hard and you know there was part of me thinking well they'll fade they'll just get gassed and you know run out of petrol um but they didn't they just kept pressing and we found it very very difficult to break the press um which was frustrating to watch um but you know credit to them you know for for that game plan it was you know it was very effective uh, and it stopped us getting on the front foot and it stopped us creating things um and you know it, it, it as i say it was a very frustrating watch but the one thing you would say is that possibly last season um, we might have really struggled to have come out of that with anything. We did stick to it. It was hard work um, and it was a really worrying watch. But somehow we rode our luck. Um, there were some good performances and we found a way through. And that's the thing I think we were talking about a lot last year was how we never found our way through certain defences. Once we kind of worked out we weren't finding it easy to get through things, you knew we weren't going to score. But this was different, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we had a ridiculous amount of possession. I think over 70% (laughs) worth of possession. Um, But they had 14 shots to our six. Four on target to our one. They had seven corners. We only had two. So, you know, in some ways, they, you know, even though we had all the possession, they were quite dominant on the front foot because of that press. I think you're right about last season, even elements of this season, because I don't think Frank would have gone three uh, at the back. And I think that it would have been very difficult to, to, to play out against that press in the formation that Frank likes to play. Um, but, I, you know, again, this is, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and, 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 and just contradict what I said earlier. We can't do a coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, with Frank about how he would have played it because we didn't see him play it. We saw Tuchel play it. So I think he, he set up pretty well. Um, there was perhaps a little... Lacking in intensity, but you could put that down to players not being maybe 100% match fit or coming back from you know from time on the sidelines. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't an, an, an overwhelmingly interesting game on any level, really. Do you think he he'll have worked out yet again, Tuchel, that in this country it doesn't matter who you play, you really have to work at it. Very few teams just give you the game. It it happens occasionally, but no matter what level you're at, you have to find a way to win rather than let another team lose. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at the games that he's played, he's played against a bunch of different types of opposition strategies. So against Wolves, for example, they just sat back, just sat back really deep and absorbed it and, you know, bored us into a nil-nil draw. And then we played Tottenham. We played a, uh, a sort of pressing counter-attacking game, not very effectively. And then Barnsley, who were press, press, press for 90 minutes. So he's come up against different strategies. And I think he's coped really well with all of them because he's been able to make adjustments throughout the game and, um, you know, to, to, to really think it through, to, to bring people on, at, you know, bring substitutes on at, at interesting times to tweak the the formation a little bit. And I think we're really seeing, you know, I think I said it in, in a previous episode, I think we're seeing a really strategic brain at work, somebody who thinks during the actual game in real time about, about how to affect the game and how to make sure that we are affecting the game and we are impressing our philosophy on the game. I like that about him a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously thoughtful. Um, things obviously annoy him, and he tries to elicit change, as we saw with the Barnsley game. Um, the, was there anything that else that you particularly liked about the team? Did anyone stand out for you? Or, like me, were you one of those people, <clears throat> excuse me, who was just happy it was over? I look, it was just a game to win against uh, you know a, a decent but inferior side. I mean, they were decent. Uh, you know, credit to them for the for the effort they put in and for the game plan they they executed. But you know, they didn't have anything up front. They they weren't that 
challenging for us really um it was a game it was a game to get through it was a game to, to pro- progress to the next round of a cup competition uh in terms of who played well i thought billy gilmore and kante did well in the middle um i thought um Ziyech and pulisic were slightly disappointing um abraham took his goal well uh hudson adoy played well alonso played well they looked great in the wing back position uh christensen had another really good game he's taken his opportunity which i like zuma was okay emerson was okay kepper didn't have a lot to do so you know it wasn't wasn't an awful lot you could take out of it really no we won that's it we won that's all all it was it was just like next exactly next exactly it was your old classic the text i used to get when we used to be flying high at the end of a game and it was just a next easy (laughs) easy exclamation mark next exclamation mark exactly yeah (laughs) i haven't had too many of them in the last year or so um so let's hope this is a sign of things to come and so we move on into the next round of the cup Mm. And okay, it's another team that we've played this this season, um, you know, and, and, and beaten. So you'd have to look at Sheffield United and, and where they are and the problems that they've got at the moment and think that we stand a real chance against them. But it is the cup and they know that they're all but down, really, I think. Um, so this is really something something to play for for them. It's a trophy to play for. Um, and they'll be up for it. And, and, you know, as you quite rightly pointed out, they haven't been smashed by too many teams. It's been by the odd goal. Their issues are up front. I mean, if you watched them last night in the West Ham game, they just didn't create enough or finish, finish well enough. So it's uh, a case of, you know, if we can keep our concentration at the back and, you know, fulfil our potential up front, that, that, that should see us through. But you never know. You never know. No, you don't. All right. Well, look, uh, seeing as we've cleared up all the cup stuff, we should go to a break and then we'll come back and talk about the Newcastle game. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we are back. So, Newcastle, a Monday night game. All these Monday nights, Thursday nights, they're not proper football nights for me. I I, I mean, there's no proper nights at the moment. I don't even know what day of the week it is half the time. It's like Christmas. I completely lose track of the days. I think it's a really weird and confusing time in terms of days of the week. If we were living our normal lives, I'd agree with you, but we're not living our normal lives. So football could be at, you know, sort of one o'clock on a Wednesday and it wouldn't seem that weird. No, I know, but that's my point, is that normally I can gauge everything by when our football games are, and yeah. you can't now. You go, oh, this must be, sa- oh no, it's Monday. <laughs> or it's, oh, I mean, it I, love, I love a Saturday, a Saturday three o'clock, I think most, most, most people do, or most people of the, of the old school do, to, <laughs> to keep with the theme of our, of our podcast. Help um, the aged. But, you know, the, 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 yes, uh, but, you know, Saturday three o'clock is lovely, but it means nothing now. Weekends mean nothing now, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a weird one. Yeah, I'll tell you what I quite liked about the Monday one is is seeing everybody else's games, knowing what we had to do. I mean, I either like playing first so that you can win and then enjoy everybody else's games over the weekend in the knowledge that you've secured your three points, or play last in the knowledge that everybody else has tripped up or fallen over like they did this weekend, and we've got an opportunity to go top four, which we did. Yeah, I, I mean, it had a real feel of, you know, the end part of last year in a weird way um, this weekend in the fact that we were waiting on results and you kept going, oh, my God, they've lost. Oh, they've lost. They've drawn. And and suddenly it opened up to come Monday night. You, you're absolutely right. We knew a win takes us into the top four and two points clear of Liverpool, mm. which you you 
you couldn't have even imagined, say, six weeks ago. Well, and two points behind Leicester and Man United, you yeah. know, and well in the game. I mean, I think Man City will run away with the league. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's any sensible football fan doesn't think that's going to happen. They just look imperious. Um, but in terms of top four, we're well in the mix. I mean, we can't relax because there's there's people coming up, you know, coming up on the outside, you know, who want those places as well. But we, we've put ourselves in a very good position over this last five games. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at the fixture list for the rest of the season, we've played an awful lot of the the bigger, more challenging fixtures already. There's not that many well, There's in a couple that of list. big games coming up. The Everton game is going to be huge. Yeah. And I think the Man United game as well is going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens... You know what what happens in the Atletico Madrid game and how that affects us if it goes if it goes pear shaped. I, mean, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but you know it's things like that can can either provide a a, a, a leaping off point or can can create sort of downward trajectory. You know, in terms of uh, psychologically for the team. So you know, there's there's a few bumps in the road to 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 overcome and a few hurdles to overcome. But I think we've put ourselves in a great position. Yeah, and that's what I mean. When you look at whatever it is, 12, 14 games to go or whatever, there's two or three that stand out as difficult. Yeah. And the rest look very winnable. And if we can take our points there, yeah, I, I, it's, it's just so fickle the way this season is for so many teams. How many teams this season have been at the top looking unbeatable and then suddenly can't win a game to save their lives? I you mean, know, Liverpool have to... fallen off a cliff, haven't they? Yeah, they have. You know, Klopp for the chop. Never going to happen. I I know he's got personal issues and everything, but that doesn't really explain their catastrophic loss of form. Um, You know, which, which you have to say has got must have something to do with the season that we're having i mean leicester look pretty consistent united are flip-flopping all over the way all over the place in terms of form um city look amazing arsenal are rubbish tottenham seem rubbish west ham are surprisingly good but you can't imagine they can sustain it for the next however many games are left so it is a really weird but you know in in some ways exciting season have you have you had any messages from your West Ham family? Of course about, I have. Yeah. Of course I have. You know, first I mean, time I, in how many years? Yeah, sorry, say that again. First sorry. time, first time in how many years have they started getting lippy with you about I football? Know, I know, I know, and you know we have a little bit of banter, but you know, I mean, fair enough. I mean, they're having yeah. a hell of a season, aren't they? I mean, well, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have called the season that they're having, you know, at the beginning of uh, of the campaign, would you? It's just you know what what they're doing in terms of steamrollering teams at the moment is quite amazing. I mean, credit to David Moyes. We always knew he was a good manager, but, you know, it's uh, it's credit to him for kind of turning that around because they looked they looked like a real loss as a team. But, you know, they've got a real shout. If, if other teams trip up, they've got a shout. So we can't, we can't relax. We've got to keep pushing forward. You know, we're probably still in our new manager bounce period, you know, still in a bit of a honeymoon period. You know, as I say, there's a couple of big games coming up, particularly that Everton and Man United games. We can get past those. Who knows? Who knows what we can do? Do you think West Ham are actually the one side in this world who are much better without their own fans in the ground? Well, that's probably true. I mean, also as well, that's a terrible, terrible stadium they play in. So, the fa- I mean, I hate that stadium, the London Stadium. It's a terrible place to watch football. Um, you know, so they, they, they don't get any lift from their fans anyway. So, it's probably... I mean, they're fifth at the moment on, on the same points as us, just to, with a little bit of goal difference. I mean, they're only four points off second... West yeah. Ham, I know. it's mental. I know. It, you know, it could even come down to us beating them three nil at some point. You know, you never know. It's it's a very but that that sums up the madness of this season. Personally, I think they should have had special COVID rules that no managers should have been allowed to be sacked in the way that you can't be evicted from your house hmm. through this whole period because it's just it, none nothing is real about this football season. Yeah. Um, you know, West Ham I mean, would argue with that. So yeah, would I mean, if you look think. at the teams behind us, I mean, obviously you've got Liverpool on the same amount of games, two points behind us, but then you've got Everton and Villa who've both got two games in hand on us on 37 and 36 points, respectively. So they're still a big threat. Um, Tottenham have got one game in hand, but they're on 36, 39. So they'd be, they'd be three points behind if they won their game in hand. So, you know, it's certainly not comfortable for us at the moment. But the fact that we've managed to scrabble our way into the top four after the, you know, the, the disappointing downward trajectory we were on before Tuchel arrived, um, even though there were a couple of 
little spikes of uh, of success in there but it didn't look likely that you know that that was going to happen so you know i think we have to take some pleasure out of that put the frank lampard issue to one side say that you know tuka was brought in to do a job he's done a job he's got us to this point and now the, the real challenge is sustaining it yeah exactly i mean we are now in a position where we are in control of our own destiny. Okay, you could say you, you exactly. always are, but yeah, no, but we're exactly. Right in the mix. It's exactly yeah. what it is, Kerry. We're we're in control now. We're not looking for other people to mess up. You know, we just need to keep winning our games. Yeah, exactly. And then the big games convert a couple of those into wins, and then we will be right happy. So yeah. 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 So the Newcastle side. Uh, now I saw. I have to say, I saw your team that you picked on Twitter. Oh, dear. It wasn't right, was it? Well, it wasn't that far off. <laughs> well, it was pretty far off. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> it was obvious okay, I'll Kepa tell you what was off. Right. I didn't start. have Kepa. I didn't have Kepa. All right, that was a big surprise, right, <laughs> yeah, for everybody. I mean, I don't think any of us saw Kepa keeping his place from midweek. Um, but I had Azpilicueta, Christensen and Rudiger. I had Jorginho and Kovacic. Um, no, you didn't. You, you had, uh, oh, no, I had Kovacic Mount. and Mount. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, the rest of them I had. And Pulisic? I, and I, I, you had Pulisic Well, in but there? I also said he may play Werner. I did say that in my, in my, in my tweet. I said it's Pulisic or Werner. Yeah, I mean, Pulisic. And I had Mount I, and I had Abraham and I had Hudson-Odoi. So, you know, I didn't get it that wrong. No, no. But my point here is, are we actually starting to see early winners and early losers in Tuchel's picks? I think I think he loves Jorginho and Kovacic. I think that that you know that that's two first names on the team sheet for him. I think he loves that double six in the middle. Mount, I think, has forced his way into the thinking as a as pretty undroppable, which is good. Uh, I think you've got to give massive credit to Timo Werner for the way he's kept at it. I mean, how impressive is he, I think, just in terms of his attitude and the way he speaks after the game. I think I just, I've, you know, I, I just really, really hope it works out for him. Rudiger's a big winner. Uh, Christensen has done himself a lot of favours. I think he's taken his chance. That's pretty cool. We know, you know, he trusts because of his reputation and his maturity. Uh, hudson Adoy, I think, is a big winner. Uh, Alonso's obviously a big winner. So yeah, I, you know, but but he's also made it very clear, for example, that you know, as Aretha uh, uh, Balaga, a uh, keeper is not the number one keeper. He said that last night. He said, "Look, Mendy's the number one keeper." He said, I wanted to, to make sure that Kepa stays fresh, but moving forward, it's Mendy. He was very clear about that. Yeah, he and also, also he, he did point out that actually Mendy had had an injury as well, which they kept fairly quiet. We had a hint of it two matches ago, but I thought I, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Because you could see all these people going, oh, look, he's obviously just trying to get get Kepa back in the shop window. They're trying oh, to a prove it. Nonsense. nonsense. I mean, God, our it? fan yeah. base sometimes, honestly. I, I know, honestly. But I love the fact that Tuchel came out. He will explain things. If you ask him a question, at this moment in time, he gives you what seems to be a completely straight answer. I love and his I, post-match. I like, I like his yeah. post-match you know, interviews because he stares straight down the camera. He makes eye contact with you and he will talk you through, as you say, his strategy, his thinking. Uh, he will try and make you understand what he's trying to do. And he will, you know... Talk, he will answer a straight question with a straight answer. I mean, I don't think you could want any more from a manager, you know, in, in a post-match situation. I, th- I think he's still figuring it out a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, a lot's been made of the fact that he has, he's inherited a very bloated squad. I mean, what do you do with Havertz and Ziyech and Pulisic and these other really class players? I mean, you, you'd think that he'd want to use them, but how does he use them in a situation where, you know, we're kind of winning? I mean, yeah. Christensen's going to be Christensen's going to, you know, not play when Silver comes back. Silver's going to come straight back in, which is a real shame for him because I think he's been pretty flawless in in the times that he's been playing. I just think you can look at it two ways. You can either say he's got a nightmare man management situation on his hands, or he's got an embarrassment of riches. And if he's clever and he keeps people involved and engaged and he creates a squad mentality, that's going to play real dividends over the next couple of seasons if he stays. So, you know, I'd like to think it's the latter. I like to think that he's got an arm round shoulders going, you're in my plans, but let's, you know, analyse each game as we, uh, as we approach it and figure out the best team for that game. He's kind of said that to Billy Gilmore, you 
you know, Kante is another one. I mean, how can you leave Kante out? But he has. And, you know, and you, you only have to look at the results to say, well, you know, I guess you know what you're doing. And at the moment, when you look around the pitch, even the players who aren't playing, they seem to be smiling. And when they came off the pitch last night, watching Tuchel go around all his players, there was a a really great moment when he put his arm around Hudson-Odoi. And Hudson-Odoi looked like a little kid with him. He sort of tucked tucked his head under his shoulder and was laughing and giggling about something. He's found a real lease of life under under Tuchel, which is great, because I think he was... He was struggling badly, man, after his, after his injury. He'd lost yeah. all his swagger, all his joy playing football. That all seems to be back now. He's such a... It's so refreshing to see Callum running at defences and playing with that swagger again. I think it's... That, that for me, is a, has been a real highlight of the last five games, is watching Callum Hudson enjoy, uh, a, a, a doy enjoying his football again. Callum Hudson enjoy. There yeah, you go. There you go. That's, Callum Hudson that's enjoy. The, that's the gag you're looking for. I copyrighted for. that. That's mine. You can't <laughs> well, use that. Yeah, but I actually said it correctly. Um, but, but the other thing about Callum, I would say that I've never seen before, is how much he does coming back and helping and tracking back. He he really is putting a shift in. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if his stats have gone up exponentially, the amount mm. of uh, mileage he runs uh, during a game. Really quite incredible. So, uh, he well, one player be... that I thought was, well, that was in my team didn't make it was James. I honestly thought Rhys James would get a game in, you know, in, in this. Um, but, so did I. Yeah, but you know, he, he came on as a sub and I thought he was great. And he's another one. You know, if you think of James, Havertz, Ziyech, Pulisic, Kante. I mean, these are all class class players you know who aren't getting a game at the moment so he's got some work to do to really make sure that they feel part of the squad that they're ready to go when needed and I think with so many games coming up the European games cup games these players are going to have a chance to impress um, and we will pick up injuries it's just the nature of uh, of the of the way you know football's going at the moment there's a lot of injuries in this in this period so I, I think it's good to have this squad it never hurt Man City to have a big squad um, and I think players will force their way into the reckoning so look it's really exciting I'm enjoying the games at the moment I mean sometimes I'm not enjoying the actual games because they're frustrating but the, I like the the whole the whole kind of philosophy behind the games the whole environment around the games is great at the moment yeah and and with the Newcastle game He's got the plan. He knows how he wants them to play at this moment in time. They seem to be sticking to the task pretty diligently. Um, It seems to be working. Even when it's looking tricky, we find a way through. Um, Interestingly, you know, Tammy ends up with an injury. On comes Giroud. And he scores. Uh, that's what you want from substitutes, as we say time and time again. Whoever comes in to replace somebody has to go and do a job. And and this is happening. It's again, we talked about it quite a bit. It's this whole game management thing. The, the substitutions never feel as though they're just done because. Mm. Because if they were just done because, you'd have probably put Ziyech and, and uh, Pulisic on at some point. But he didn't go for that sort of logic. He, he wants everyone to do things in a particular way, which means if things are working one way or another in this period of the game, this is what we look at trying to do. He's thinking, as we've said, he, he seems to be thinking through the game, studying the game. Again, I liked hearing him afterwards saying, yeah, the first half was really good. You know, we were in control. We were, you know, making the right moves. And the second half, we weren't so good. And, and he's right, because Newcastle worked much harder, got nothing for it. But he knows that. He sees it. And he articulates that to us, which, of course, as a fan... You love hearing your manager say these things rather than, oh, no, we were actually brilliant the whole time. How can you say it was anything but? He's honest at this moment in time. So you feel engaged with him. You feel engaged with the the way he's putting people out. Uh, And I I do think we are in a position to move forward continually uh, and progress as a team. 
I, th- I think so as well. And, and I think, you know, on that subject of substitutions, you know, he took Mount off after 17 minutes, which I didn't see coming, to be honest. I don't think uh, Mason Mount had a particularly impactful game, not by his standards. I think he, you know, lots of lots of industry, lots of running around, but didn't really grab hold of the game in in the way that he has in, in recently. Um, it's not a real massive criticism of him. I just don't think it was the best game that I've seen him play recently. But he got subbed on for, for Kante, who came on and solidified that midfield. And then uh, Callum came off for James which was a sensible substitution as they were sort of targeting our right-hand side and uh, and James was full of energy and, and created stuff when he came on. Uh, but the other substitution, of course, was for Tammy, who got injured, which you know, which is a little bit concerning. And Olivier Giroud uh, came on and, um, and, and scored within five or six minutes of coming on. So you know, they all kind of worked, didn't they, the subs? Yeah, absolutely. I, on Mason Mount, there was something that I was watching quite a lot through the game uh, he did a bit of, of a number on John Joe Shelby. Now, as we all know, Shelby can, you know, boss people around. He can actually play a bit of football, but he's the, the tough nut in the middle. And Mason was getting into him. There was a few late tackles on him. There was a brilliant moment where Shelby tried to, to muscle him and, and sort of squared up to him. And Mason just pushed him right in the chest and yeah. he sort of flew backwards and it was brilliant he did a number he distracted Shelby from getting involved in the game and I think that may have been deliberate but I, I loved seeing it you know when you look at Mason compared to the size of Shelby he really stood up to him and let him yeah. know who Listen, was, who was he's, bossing he's, it his game was full of full of energy and intensity and passion and you know you know you're going to get that from Mason Mount. you know you're going to get 100% full-blooded performance I just don't think it had the at the um, the level of guile and invention and impact yeah, that, 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 for example, you know he, he had in he had in previous games. Not again, not a criticism of him. Just you know, I set very very high standards for him. You know, one thing yeah. that we need to work on as well is our finishing. We need to work on the finishing. You know, Tammy had a great opportunity to you know to head the ball in um, early doors, which he didn't take. And then obviously when he got injured, I think he could have got his shot off a little bit quicker. Um, but you know, ended up getting injured, which is which is a shame for him. I just think we've got to be more ruthless. And again, this is not criticism of those players per se it's just like you know these are the standards if you want to win the league if you want to you know uh, put games to bed if you want to compete at the very very highest level these opportunities are not going to come along very often in the game you have to take them ask yourself would Mohammed Salah, would Mohammed Salah have got the shot away would Harry Kane have got the shot away would, would Son have got the shot away you know they're the standards for me and I think that We've just got to be a little bit more ruthless in front of goal. We know about Timo Werner. You know, he had a couple of opportunities. And thank the Lord, after a thousand minutes of Premier League football, he managed to squeeze one in from a corner. Yeah, and it was absolutely the perfect kind of goal you wanted to see him break his duck with, if you know what I mean. It just, the luck went his way. He scuffed the shot. It bobbled over the line. The keeper got it, you know, a foot and a half behind the the line. Perfect. It's just what we want. And it it was reward for, for... Everything that he does, you know, you talked about it earlier. Um, everything about him is in, is engaging. He understands what his situation is. He understands what he's going through. He's always gone on about when things aren't working, as long as I'm doing things for the team, then that's good. But, yeah, of course he wanted to score. And, yeah, That hopefully... was his 32nd attempt <laughs> before scoring. <laughs> he had 31 attempts before that that he couldn't convert. But, you know, I mean, we've always said it only takes a goal. It only takes... I mean, he's probably been man of the match in the last couple of games that he's played um, in terms of his overall contribution, impact on the game. Of course, it was his assist for the uh, for the Giroud uh, goal as, a, as well. So, you know, he's he's having an impact on games, and we know he would. I think, you know, this, this system is suiting him quite well, being able to play as an inside forward uh, with the... Uh, with the fullback Alonso either outside him or inside him on occasion. And I think it's working quite well. And Tuchel's getting, getting the best out of him. I just think, you know, we just got to be more ruthless um, yeah, because I think we can score an absolute hat full of goals. Yeah. But it's interesting when he was talking after the game, Tuchel basically saying that's now the right place for him to play. Yeah, he could play centre, but it'd have to be better with his touch. It'd have, yeah. You know, he qualified it. So he doesn't see him as a central striker. So you may see, perhaps that's what Chelsea will look at in the summer, trying to buy as an out-and-out striker to, well, to I mean, work in town. Well, it'd be like to buy Holland, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, who will only probably be about 
Oh no, he's got he's got a release cause. Hasn't yeah, he? that Which means nothing though, because there'll just be a no. bidding. There'll be a bidding war. Listen, I, you know, I, I can't imagine that we'll get someone of, of his level. You know, when you've got teams like Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich and Juventus and these other kind of super star clubs looking at him as well um but who knows who knows no, you know you it's, never know uh, it, it, it'll be interesting but yeah it, i don't know I, I, tammy being out concerns me a little bit i mean i hope he's not out for very long i think olivier Giroud, you know scored the goal you have to give him credit for that but you know olivier Giroud is the answer moving forward listen i think we'll always be grateful for him for his goals and he's become a bit of a cult hero but the kind of football that we're playing at the moment with the kind of movement and fluidity that we're playing, I'm not sure he's necessarily the right fit. You never know. Sometimes injuries provide other things. Maybe Havertz will step into that middle maybe, role. You, maybe. you never know. Well, Anything could happen. So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. All right. Well, leaving the Newcastle game behind um, because we're nearly out of time just now. One, just one thing oh, on yeah. Newcastle. How terrible is Andy Carroll? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he uh, awful? Yeah, yeah, but he scored against us, so I don't say well, that until the day after. About ten years ago. I know, but he still is one of those. Does nothing in his career, but then pops up and scores against us. Absolutely. Um, burgling a living as a professional footballer. Yeah, he is awful. Uh, true, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, no, that that's a fair way to finish off the, great, the game, talking about it. Um, okay, so we've got Southampton away this weekend. Um, this is a... This is a tricky old game. They're, they're a funny side, Southampton. Um, just when you think they've, they've, you know, lost it, they seem to come back. You know, they've they've had 18 goals put past them in two games. It's, uh, you know, they're, 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 it's not going to be easy, though, is it? No, I mean, they are a team that are, you know, really struggling at the moment. I mean, they lost to Wolves, they lost to Newcastle, they lost to Villa... They just can't. They can't buy a win at the moment, um, and and they, they're on a very much a, a sort of downward spiral at the moment. They they they've got some decent forward attacking players. I mean, Danny Ings. You know, you can't write him off. Uh, I think that he will cause any team problems in the form that he's in at the moment. But you know, as a defensive unit, they're not great. I think that again, this is a team. This is a team that we should beat, and a, and a game that we should win. So. I would be very surprised if we don't, if we don't, you know, get something out of the game against Southampton. Yeah, I, I'll go with that. Well, I'm going to go for a two-nil win. Yeah, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to say two-one because of the Ings factor. I think this is this might be the first goal that we concede from an opposition player under Tuchel. Well, I don't know. I think it's going to be debatable. If Ings scores, it will have gone in off Rudiger. He's Fair the enough. only man who scores for the oppo at the moment. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and then uh, we should just mention the following Tuesday, we have an almighty tussle in Bucharest against Atletico Madrid. I know. How weird's that? Uh, wouldn't you be, actually, wouldn't you be gutted and really annoyed about the situation that Madrid are having being forced to play their home leg in Bucharest? Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's fair, personally. I really don't. I don't think it's fair either. I think it's also going to be an incredibly difficult game for us. Uh, it's going to be a real test of Thomas Tuchel and, and what he's managed to, to get out of this team in the relatively short space he's been there. It's a, it's going to be a really, really interesting game, and I'm really looking forward to it. And if we can get something out of it, I think it's a real barometer of where we could go. Um, but I think it's going to be our toughest test of the season. Yeah, and we've got the biter Another round of football with the biter, haven't we? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what Barcelona think now, watching what <laughs> Suarez has done. You know, uh, over at Atletico. I mean, he's been amazing for them this season. Well, incredible! A man they couldn't wait to get out the door at Barcelona. And I mean, we've knows? always known that he's an incredible footballer. I mean, he's an, he's just an appalling human being. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've had we've had our run-ins with him. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to seeing him around and about because he's one of those players who does nothing for 89 minutes and then does something miraculous or a, a miraculous cheat or a miraculous strike, one yeah, or the other. I have no time for Luis Suarez, you know, but I cannot in all good conscience... Uh, say that he's not an incredible goal scorer, which he yeah, is. I'd agree. You know, and and I'd so agree. that's terrifying. 
Okay, so uh, my, my thoughts are this is going to be a tough one. Um, I'm fascinated to see how we set up against them, who gets in the side, um, whether Silver's fit or not. I still think it may be that Christiansen manages to stay on the side for a little longer than you might imagine. Um, I just get the feeling Tuchel understands that Christensen is the future. To drop him just because Silver's back, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see how his management is on that. Um, but I think we are going to have a proper classic European night. I don't think we'll get tonked 4 or 5 nil or anything like that because I'm not sure they they create that many chances to put away Atletico. Um, I, I can see this as a one-all draw. That's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, I'm going to go draw as well, but I think it's going to be slightly higher scoring than that. I'm going to say 2-2. I think it'll be a draw. Be interesting to see. Uh, I'd just be interesting to see how we play them because I think they're very, very well organised. Uh, you know, Simeone's a great coach and, and we'll have them, you know, really well set up. But, you know, I, I also think that Tuchel's smart enough to have studied them, to look at them, see where their weaknesses are and, and hopefully we can we can at least help hold them at bay. But I'm not going to be bold enough to say we're going to beat them away from home. No, exactly. But you remember that time we did beat them away from home and we never thought we would. Yeah. But, you know, it it can happen. Who knows? Um, we will see. But I am I thoroughly looking forward to it. I, I think it's great. I think it's it's the kind of game you go, well, we'll see where we, we are. In a kind of a way, Bayern Munich confirmed where we were last season. I just get a sneaking suspicion, win, lose or draw, I'm just looking to for us to acquit ourselves well. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. Right, Andy, we are out of time. So how does anyone get in touch with us if they wish to? Uh if you want to uh get in touch with Twitter is probably pretty good. Uh so you can follow us uh, on Twitter on at Chelsea Podcast. Uh you can follow me on at Mr. A Saunders. Uh you can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy, C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y. Uh, on Instagram, it's at the Chelsea Podcast or at One True Saunders for me. And Kerry's on at Kerry Levy One. That's it. That's brilliant. Right. Well, it's been another good week. Let's hope. We have loads to talk about that's exciting next week. All right. Cheers, everyone. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.